Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, welcome to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And today's episode is brought to you by the Best Year Ever Blueprint Live Experience. That is our once a year live event, experiential event that happens in San Diego, California, December 7th through 9th, 2018. And why do we do it in San Diego? Because it's the only place really that you can pretty much guarantee you're going to have great weather all year round. And in December, Depending on where you're coming from, it might be raining, it might be snowing, but uh, San Diego is beautiful. And uh, check out bestyeareverlive.com, bestyeareverlive.com. As we get closer to the event, I'll go into more detail and we'll probably do an episode on it or something. But uh, it really is an extraordinarily, it's hard to put it in words, but an extraordinarily experiential, connected, community created event. And uh, if you're a member of the Miracle Morning community, just imagine the energy, the synergy of that community condensed into a three to 400 person event for three days, face to face. It really is something special. So I'm not going to go into too much more detail there, but check it out. Bestyeareverlive.com, December 7th through 9th in San Diego. More importantly, at least for today, I am here today with David Bach, nine-time New York Times bestselling author, co-founder of AE Wealth Management, who's got $5 billion, I believe, or right under $5 billion in assets under management. He's really one of America's favorite financial experts. And there's a good chance you've seen him on Oprah or The Today Show, CNBC, Fox, CBS, you name it. He's been there teaching America about money now for over two decades. And Tony Robbins said this about David. He said, David Bach is the one financial expert to listen to when you're intimidated by your finances. His powerful and easy to use program will show you how to spend, save, and invest your money to afford your dreams. And uh, when it comes to being an author on financial books, David has sold over 7 million copies of his books. And I'm excited to have him here today exclusively to learn about his mega bestseller, Smart Women Finish Rich. And this book, which was actually, believe it or not, his first book 20 years ago, just came out for its 20-year anniversary. And that book alone is sold over a million copies. And it's one of the most popular financial books for women ever written. And it's been completely updated and expanded for today. Today's economy, today's world, today's women. So if you are a woman, this is for you. And if you are a man, listen up, because this is for the woman or women in your life that you care about. Your mom, your sister, your aunt, your wife, your daughter you name it. So we're going to jump in. Uh, David, welcome, my friend. Hal, first of all, I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for that incredibly kind introduction. And um, you don't, I don't think you know this, but I'm, I'm like an outside fan of yours. Um, you, you, you spoke to a group of ours. I just want to give you like a high five here for a second. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm all ears. Keep going as long as you need. Because I'm going to send this out <laughs> to my, my community too, who might, awesome. who might not know you, but you know, you are a really well-known expert in so many things. And 
you spoke to a group that I'm a part of called EO, EO mm. Organizations. One of the large, for those who don't know, it's one of the largest organizations for founding entrepreneurs across the world. And you spoke to our group in New York City when you launched your book. Yeah. And I wasn't there. And it was such a huge success. We were the highest rated speakers we ever had that, you know, everybody I knew left with your book brought, and it was, and it was all about, I want, I want people to hear about what you do too, too, because it was all about, you know, the miracle morning and this idea yeah. of waking up early. And people brought the book back to me and they're like, Oh my God, you missed this incredible speaker. Right. So I read your book, um, love everything you talk about, which I want to talk about more. Cause again, I'm, I love what you do. And, um, you know, then last year I was at the mastermind talks and I know there was, there was a fundraiser there that our friend John put on for you. And, yeah. um, I've just never seen so many people in a room speaking so highly of one individual as they, as, as our peer group were speaking about you. Mm-hmm. And I just salute you because to be the kind of human being that so many people want to help. And for those who don't know, again, from my community with that, you were suffering from battling cancer. Um, congratulations on, on crushing it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all, all of those kind words. David? Yeah, I just really, I, I just, I was really moved to my soul when I was at that mastermind talk and people were talking about you and raising money about the, for you and the work you've done and, and your spirit and your energy and how many people you've helped. So I am honored to be on your podcast. I think I, I, look, I went online. I think I'm your 237th interview. So um, thank you for having me. I know, I know, I always say keep, keep the best, keep the best for last, right? And I know this won't be the last, but it's good there to be, I'm go. so good to be here with you. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh man, well, it's mutual. This is a great love fest to start the episode off. I love it. Um, yeah, no, thank you for those kind words. And, uh, yeah, and that, the money that was raised at Mastermind Talks, I've got that sitting in an account to pay forward and, uh, just waiting for the government to get back to approve our 501c3 nonprofit called Support the Unsupported. And, all of the funds that were raised for me because I was able to take care of my medical bills, that's all going to go toward people in need. So really, really, really cool. Just the, Amazing. the giving Amazing. will continue. Yeah. Beautiful. Pay it forward. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, so before we jump into the book, I have a couple of related questions that I want to ask you. Yeah. And actually, the first one I'll start with because you just touched on it, which is you're a fan of you know the morning rituals, the 5 a.m. club, whatever you want to call it. Well, I want to hear your take on that. Why, why are you a big fan of early rising or having that morning ritual or routine dialed in? All right. So I, I'm going to go way back here, um, like way back to like growing up. So when I, when I got out, of, I was not always a morning person. Um, like probably a lot of people who are listening may not be morning people, right? Not everybody's a morning person. But when I got out of college, um, I went to USC. I graduated. I wanted to be successful quickly. And I went into real estate and I was in commercial real estate. And my boss, my mentor who owned the company, his name was Chip. And Chip came in. He was the first person in the office. He was in the office at six. And when he hired me, he said, you're going to be in the office before me. Hmm. Every single day, you're going to be... I, when I get to the office, David, you better be at your desk working. And then I'm going to leave this office at 6.30 or 7, and you're going to still be working when I leave. Okay, And <laughs> I'm, you're going to work harder in the first year than most people work in the first five and within two years, you'll have 10 years of experience, right? So that was my, my first, so my first experience out of college in order to get to the office before quarter six, I had to get up at like 4.15. Nice. So, you know, I had to learn very right out, like, boom, man, coffee up, get going, crush the day. It really had so many things were interesting about that experience, right? I would, I would drive to work at four, you know, five o'clock in the morning. And that would be a very, that'd be a time in Bay Area with no traffic. But I would notice that some of the fanciest cars on the road were on the road at that hour. Huh. 
Interesting. Because a lot of times it was the entrepreneur going to work. And then after real estate, I went into the financial service industry and I decided at the time when I wanted to write my book, the first book, Smart Women Finish Rich, I got that book deal. And normally at Morgan Stanley, I had to be in the office again, like 6.30, 7 o'clock latest. So in order to find the time, right? Because you got to find the time to, to live your dreams. Yeah. I started getting up at 4.30 so I could write my book between 4.45 and 6.30 to 7. Like I had it very dialed in. I would basically like coffee, write the book, go to the, more, go to the office. And that is how Smart Women Finish Rich was basically written before the, between the hours of 4.30 and 6.30. And that, that is what set my cycle for get up early and get it going. And I today, you know, here I am. 25 years, well, more than 25 years later, because I'm 51 right now. I still, it's very, if I get up at six, it's a late day for me. And yeah. normally, my, normally my wife and I are up at five and we have rituals. We wake up, we meditate next to each other in bed. And then I get on my, I always plug these guys because I love it, but I get on my five minute journal app every morning. Yeah, me too, man. I use the five minute journal app every day. Yeah, I love it. And I start my day with my pot, you know, Dan, it's Dan Sullivan too, strategic coach, but my positive focus, I do it in my, in my five-minute journal, I write down what I'm grateful for. I get super centered and super present. I write down what I'm going to do to make the day great. I put my picture there from the day before that's meaningful for me so I can go back and look at it. So I've got a visual diary of the highlights of my life. And then I go to the gym. And then I come and have breakfast with my kids. And then I go start my day. And you know, I'm doing, as anybody who's, who's part of the 5 a.m. club knows, that Miracle Morning concept, Everything I just described to you, it's done by 6.30, right? So my day is already rocked in the right direction because I woke up early, I meditated, I did a positive focus, I've gone to the gym, I've spent time with my family, and then even after drop-off, I'm still in the office by 8.30. And the amazing thing is in New York City is you would think you know everybody's here to crush it, but if I'm in the office at 8.30, I'll be in an office with an entire floor plate of no people in it yet. Wow. So... You know, it's, it's always fascinating to me that, you know, not everybody's waking up early. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of you're a man of my own heart, for sure. But like you said, you're getting those things, those things that people put off, you know, like, oh, I'd love to meditate. I'd love to exercise more. I'd love, but I don't have time. I don't have time to read. I don't have time, you know, it's like, well, no, you have time. There's that pocket in the morning where no interruptions, no phone calls are coming in. You know, don't open your email, but become a better version of the person you were when you went to bed the night before and you're on point to crush the day. So I love it, man. That's great. Before we get into the book, the first thing that I'm interested in hearing about is your live rich philosophy where it's not waiting to live your dreams, which I love, and where you say, we don't need to be rich to live rich. Can you expand on that? Yeah, well, I think this is my favorite thing to talk about these days. I mean, so many people have almost been turned off by the concept of saving, which is, is, is painful for me, right? Because I've spent 25 years trying to motivate people to save and invest automatically every time they get paid. And there are millions of people doing that, but there are a lot of people who aren't. And when you talk to people who haven't started saving yet, um, or they're behind, right? They feel like they're starting late. The thing that people say to me is, you know, David, I just 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I don't want to put off living the life that I want right now so that someday I can retire, right? And, and I don't want to wait. And I totally 100% get that. And what I've been sharing with people really more and more like the last five, six, seven years is that it's not about saving to put off your life so for that someday. It's not just about putting money away for the day you're going to retire or the rainy day. 
it's about two two areas that you put money away for. You know, I, I teach two things: a retirement basket, which is basically a retirement account, yeah. and a dream account. And so I teach people, you know, you you need to be funding a dream account. Yeah. Because small amounts of money can get you closer to your dreams much faster than you realize. And and so I've really been kind of taking people on this spiritual journey of like, let's let's look at your life. What is it that you really want to do right now that you're not doing? Let's look at does it cost money? Because a lot of times it doesn't. But if it does cost money, let's come up with a dream. Let's literally name this your dream account. Let's open up an investment account, you know, different, lots of different ways to do this, right? Like you can save a dollar a day with companies like Acorns, as an example. Yeah. It's an online robo advisor account. You could go meet with a financial advisor and set up a systematic investment account. But without getting the technical aspects of it, it's having an account, a place where you take part of your money as it comes in and you literally put it in that account for your dreams. And what happens the moment you do this, Hal, is that your dreams start to feel more real. So like, and I'll just like give you a really specific example. Like I had this woman that came to, you know, came to a seminar and her name was Vicky. And she's like, you know, it has been a dream of mine my entire life to, to go to Hawaii. And I go, well, great. Where, where in Hawaii do you want to go? And she's like, well, I hadn't thought about it. I'm like, well, let's think about it. And she's like, well, I've always wanted to go to Oahu. I said, okay, great. Where in Oahu do you want to go? And she's like, well, I want to go to the North Shore. I've seen all these, I've seen all these movies on, on the North Shore. And I want to go there when they're having those huge surfing events. I'm like, great. What, what month is that? So like, like I kept making her visualize. Oh, what, well, it's, you know, it's this month. Well, how much would it cost you to go? And she's like, I don't know. I've never looked at it. I'm like, well, okay. Well, go, your homework assignment today. Go look, yeah. go, go find out what it would cost to go to that surfing event on the North Shore next year. So she comes back and she gives me the number. And I'm like, all right. Well, so the numbers, I think that her number of time, I want to say it was like $2,600, right? Like she wanted to do this trip right. Yeah. And I go, okay. Well, so let's back it out between now and that, and that trip. It's 14 months from now. Let's literally look at how much money you need to save a day to get there. And then let's put that money into an investment account for you. And she just looked at me and she's and, and we like we ran her numbers and they're not, they weren't very big, right? And, sure. And she just kind of looked at me and she's like, can it really be that simple? I'm like, well, because it's, it's as simple as you want to make it. Like you have to go do the work. Like we have to have the money to take every month. You've got to take this money and put it into an investment account. But so she did that, right? And then and then at, as she was working towards this goal of hers, she was like, you know, I already feel so rich just because I'm realizing that this dream is going to come true. Well, that's a story that's happened thousands of times to people who have followed this, right? Like the moment you start saving for your dream is the moment that dream starts to feel like it's not just a dream. It's actually a real thing that could happen to you. And then it does happen, right? Yeah. So it's about buying your dreams. And again, lots of times it doesn't take money. That's why I always say you don't need to be rich to live rich. A lot of times it just takes figuring out what it is you want and then realizing a lot of what you want can actually be done without money. There are lots of ways to get your dreams. Yeah. So um, I just am really focused these days on, on getting especially young people to realize like you don't have to wait to be 60 to enjoy your life. And then, I mean, lots of millennials are, are kind of like tuned into that. Sure. But on the, on the other side of this, how is I'm really focused on getting, we have a lot of retiree clients. In fact, most of our clients are retirees and they come to us in their sixties or early sixties and, and they've been led to believe that they can't spend money the first 10 years because they're going to run out. And we're helping our retired clients realize like, this is, this is a really important decade. Like this is your honeymoon decade. You need to go enjoy it. So let's not wait to be 75 to go enjoy your wealth. Let's really enjoy it now. And, um, to me, that's about living rich. So whatever age you are, it's about having a plan where the money that you've got and the life that you have, you are using that energy and that time and those resources 
to live your richest life today, that you're not putting it off. I love that. And it goes back to that the old adage, what you focus on expands, right? By her focusing on Hawaii, then all of a sudden and focusing on saving the money for it, right? That money expands, the account expands, and all of a sudden now, like you said, the dream becomes something that's very realistic. I love that. Oh, wait, and I'll just, you know, finishing that story of that person. Um, ultimately, you know, she figured out that she could go volunteer and work on that surfing contest. And so and then she got connected, you know, she started telling people that this was her goal and her dream. And then she got invited to stay in somebody's house with another friend. So like the, what she thought that that actual cost of that trip was going to be ended up being half the price. Nice. And that's just one more example of where like when you put it out into the world, you manifest things and people show up to help you. It's so true. You know, I, I'm writing a book right now or I just finished it called The Miracle Equation. And chapter one is called Taking the Mystery Out of Miracles. And then at the end, I go, we're putting a little mystery back in. I go, look, as, as practical as I'm trying to make this for you guys, I don't know how to explain the fact that the universe does stuff, <laughs> right? Like when you're committed, when you're fully present and committed to whatever it is that you want, and you put it out there, like you said, David, it's like I, you know, resources that you can't predict, people that you wouldn't have under, you know, just come into your life. It's just, it's crazy. And I think most people go with that, like they start with this helpless idea of like, well, it'd be nice, but I don't even know where to start. It's like, well, then start wherever you are, you know, start with oh a Google my God. search, right? It's so true. I have my, the, I wish you could see me, the hair on my arms is sticking up right now because it gives me the chills. I'm going to tell you a story right now and it kind of pivots us into smart women finish rich. Perfect. That's where I wanted to go next. Because <laughs> it's exactly this story, right? So I'm at a Tony Robbins seminar, right? I'm young. I'm working on my motivation, my goals, my dreams. I'm at a Tony Robbins seminar. At that Tony Robbins seminar, he talks about this exact thing, right? You've got to write your goals out. You've got to share them with your friends. He breaks us into groups. And he's like, I want you to get in these groups. And I want you to tell these strangers your number one dream in life, the goal that you're afraid to share. Hmm. All right. So in my group, I tell the dream and the goal. And it's to write this book, Smart Women Finish Rich. That's my goal and my dream. And I want to go teach a million women how to be smarter with their money because I learned about money from my grandmother, changed my whole family's destiny. And I want to help a million women be smarter with money so they can protect themselves, their families, and teach their kids. I, I share that in this, and I'm totally afraid to share this. I don't know these people in this group. Yeah. I've got all the fears that somebody would have when they have a dream. Okay, share the dream. We do that. Everybody goes around. We give each other hugs. We do the whole, you know, congratulations. You're amazing. We go back in the room. Tony's like, wasn't that incredible? Wasn't that amazing? Okay. About 45 minutes later, and I'm in the back of the room. A woman finds me. This is a room of like thousands of people. She comes over to me. She taps my shoulder. She says, hi, David. I just heard about your dream from somebody hmm. to write a book called For Women and Money. And she says, I've worked with Tony on his books. Wow. I can help you write a book proposal. And I go, oh my God. Her name was Vicky St. George. I go, huh. Vicky, I just got an offer to talk to an agent. She told me I needed a book proposal. Let's meet. Well, Vicky St. George helped me write that book proposal. Oh, that's awesome. That book proposal led to the, getting my agent, which led to me getting the first book of, of my career, Smart Women Finish Rich, which is what basically led to my career. And that's just like just putting it out there. Yeah, I love it. You know, and I don't know if it's law of attraction or what, you know, like I kind of balk at that sometimes. But at the same time, you can't deny any successful person can tell you so many instances of what felt like luck, serendipity, coincidence, like whatever you want to call it, right? And it's the more you put yourself out there. So, so let me start here. As a man, 
how did you end up writing a book for women about money? Like, why was that your first inclination in terms of where to go? Well, so I learned about money from a woman who was my grandma, Rose Bach. She, she helped me. She's, first of all, going back to my grandmother, she started with nothing. She was broke at 30. She was living paycheck to paycheck. She started investing. And over her lifetime, she became a self-made millionaire. Hmm. And that was just, you know, it changed her whole life, but it changed our family's life because she passed those lessons on to my father who became a financial advisor. Then to me, I started, she helped me buy my first stock at age seven in McDonald's. And that amazing experience, when I became a financial advisor, I was a little naive. I literally thought that a lot of women were like my grandmother, if not all, right? Like I thought, well, everybody must be the you know, the matriarch of the family managing the money. And then quickly what I found out was that a lot of women had delegated this to their husbands. Mm. And so as a financial advisor, I started sitting in these meetings with a bunch of widows where we were teaching these, these women clients of ours how to read their broker statements, how to write checks, and how to know if they were going to be okay financially after their husband had passed away. And at the same time, Another thing that's happening in front of me was that my mom's friends were going through divorce and they were being wiped out financially by the divorce. Mm. So this all happened very when I was very young. I mean, I'm in my 20s and I'm a financial advisor and I was like, God, you know what? I have to do something about this. So I'm going to teach a class. My mom gave me the challenge. She's like, why don't you teach a class on investing? And I'm like, I can do that. And I'm like, I should write a book on this. So I went and taught that first class. And at that first class, I got asked for a book for women and money, and there wasn't one. And that's what led me ultimately years later, a couple of years later. It wasn't like the next day I wrote the book. I, I started teaching a class on women and money in Lafayette, California. I had a lot of women get really into it, want to bring their friends and their daughters and their mothers to the next class. It grew. And then more and more people were like, you've got to put this in a book. And so after about three years, I was like, I've got to put this in a book. If I'm going to reach more people, I've got to put it in a book. And so, you know, it manifested itself over time. It was like I started teaching that class in 1994. Hmm. And then in 1996, I had the dream to write the book. In 1997, I worked on the book proposal. In end of 1998, the book came out. Nobody thought the book would work. Nobody believed that women would buy... Uh, a book for investing. I was told over and over and over again. Yeah, I can see that. You know, women don't buy investment books. There's no market for it. They're not going to come to your seminars. Um, and, you know, I just didn't listen. And then people are like, oh, you're a man. You can't do this. I'm like, well, I just did it. And, <laughs> you know, I just kept doing it over and over and over again. I was too dumb to know it wouldn't work. You know, even back to the first seminar, it's kind of a classic story. My first seminar, the local newspaper would not return my phone calls to run an ad. And I kept calling and calling. And to pay them money to run an ad for the seminar, they wouldn't return my phone calls. I drove down to the newspaper, got in front of the editor of the newspaper and said, you guys won't even return my phone calls to run an ad for a seminar for women and money. And they're like, we thought this was a joke. Uh. I'm like, it's not a joke. I have 100 women coming. I said, how about you bring a reporter down, watch me do the seminar? Well, they brought a reporter down and a camera crew and they took pictures. And then that led to me being on the cover of the local newspaper. And that was like my first media in a little local newspaper. So, you know, it's the dream started off super small in a local community. And then I just, it grew. I just kept looking at like, how could I help more people? And so, you know, books are just, as you know, right? Like if you can write a good book and then go out and and get into people's hands, books change people's lives. Um, I traveled all over the country on my own dime. I did my own book tour. 
I stayed in every Motel 6. I started with college radio shows. I mean, there wasn't anything that I wouldn't do. I booked 40 of my own book signings. I went, I drove everywhere. And it was hard. I didn't hit the New York Times bestseller list right away. It, you know, it almost took, it took eight months to hit the New York Times bestseller list. I think it was. Um, and, but over time it snowballed, right? And then I did a PBS, yeah. I did a public television show. And then we started having our seminars taught around the country by other financial advisors. And, you know, it just, I never, I never gave up. And I mean, I think, and then the reality is I also never stopped pushing. I mean, look, you and I are doing a podcast today. I'm doing a podcast today because I'm still pushing, right? Like, sure. 20 years later. 20 years later, Smart Woman Finish Rich is coming out September 18th. By the time people hear this, um, it'll be out in stores. You can pre-order it if it's earlier than that. And, you know, I said to my wife yesterday, I was showing her my schedule because the next, you know, as you know, when you put out a book, it's just craziness. And, And I'm still stressed out all these years later. And I'm like, you know what? I go, I know I'm overworked up about this, but I care so much. I worked a year to update this book. It's helped a million women. But I'm like, honey, I want to help another million women. And she kind of gave me a hug last night. And she gave me, she's like, that's why you are who you are. And I'm like, I know, but I wish I didn't have to be so worked up. Like, but you know what? I'm just still pushing because it still matters. And I'm still reaching new women every day with this message of smart women finish rich that as a woman, you know, if I was going to simply, you know, really just nugget this down, it comes down to as a woman, you need to be in charge of your financial life. I don't care if you're married to the local bank president. You need to know what's going on with your finances. You need to be in charge of it because 90% of women at some point will be forced to be in charge of their money, whether they want to or not. That makes sense. Whether it's widowhood or divorce, staying single. So I don't care what your age is as a woman, if you're listening, you owe it to yourself to be in charge of your finances and be in charge of your finances powerfully. And that's what Smart Women Finish Rich is about. It's about giving you the power and the confidence to take charge of your financial life. So diving into the book, in the book, you talk about the new good news for women and money, but also the not so good news. And so I have kind of a question and a half here that are linked. Um, <laughs> so do women really face unique challenges when it comes to money versus men? And then has much changed since you wrote the book originally 20 years ago? Yeah. So women do face, first of all, here's a lot's changed and a lot hasn't changed. Let's talk about the core. What's core to women that's about money that's different than men? If you're a woman, what are the challenges you're faced with? What's the big hurdle? So here's the major big hurdle. Women don't die. <laughs> now I'm kind of slightly exaggerating, but you women live longer than we do, right? So women's life expectancies just keep going up. Women live an average of seven years longer than men average, right? So most women, if you're married, most women marry men that are older than them. And most women live 10, 15, 20 years longer than their husband if they're married. 80% of women will die widowed. 80% of men die married. Hmm. You should like, we're almost like repeat that 80% of women die widowed, 80% of men die married. Hmm. So the first hurdle for women is simply the fact of longevity. You are healthier today than you've ever been. Most, many, 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 many women listening to this are going to solidly live to be in their mid nineties. My, one of my, I had two grandmothers, obviously grandma, but they're both grandma Rose. The (laughs) grandma Rose, it's not the one who is dedicated in this book is my mom's mom. She outlived two husbands. You know, she passed away at 97 years old. Um, And her first husband died in his fifties. The average age of widowhood when I wrote this book was 56. It's gone up. The average age of widowhood now is 59. 
that's really still young. Yeah. So the first issue is you're going to live longer. Your retirement is an average of two, at least a decade longer than the man in your life. You retire. So that's huge, right? That means you need more money put away for retirement than if you're married, than your husband does. Okay. Now, now go, well, fine. Well, what else, what else are your unique challenges? So you live longer, but you end up with across the country on average, you end up with less money in retirement. Why? The average woman, when I wrote this book, took 11 and a half years off from work during their prime earning years for childcare. Okay. Hmm. It's gotten worse. Now it's not just childcare, it's parent care. Well, the person who takes the bulk of parent care responsibilities is the sister. So women are being faced with more years off of work now because of that exact issue. So, you know, we are seeing women taking anywhere from 10 to 15 years off work. And also by the time you've taken that amount of time off from work, because not, not all women do this, I'm just giving you the, the overall sure. general issues, that leads to less money going to Social Security, less money going into pension plans, less money going to 401k plans. So you show me an average woman age 65 in this country, her income, average income in America is about $18,500 a year. So women have less money in benefits, less money in social security, and they're going to live longer. Those are the core issues. Women don't need like a pink mutual fund versus man needing a blue mutual funds. The investments are the same, but the fundamental issue of you're going to live longer and you have less money in retirement right now is critical. Also, often women are not funding their retirement accounts as early and as high as men. That's still a major issue. Women often don't invest as aggressively. Not the ones that read my book because they've been trained how to do this, but often women are leaving money in retirement accounts in cash. Huge mistake. So that's the negative. Like, what's the good news? Hmm. Way more good news than we've ever had. The good news is there's a lot, first of all, today's entrepreneurs are women because to deal with this issue of, of of being a mom and wanting to still work, many women have become entrepreneur, home entrepreneurs, right? So there are more women starting businesses today than men. There's 10 million women entrepreneurs. There are more women graduating from college, both undergraduate and graduate than men. We have more women in politics and we have massive amounts of wealth transfer coming to women. And, and, by, and women's incomes have gone up. In many cases, women today are graduating and earning more than men, not all, but many. And we have women today that are actually very, very tuned in to their finances. So we see, you know, when I wrote the book, women, I showed that women make better investors than men. And the reasons that they do is that they don't actively trade. They're way more disciplined. They invest for the long term. They're better at goal setting and financial planning than most men are. And that's still true. So there's a lot of things benefiting women that take charge of their financial life. I think the thing that gets me the most excited right now with women is the huge interest in taking charge of their financial life. 20 years ago, this was a battle to get women, not, not all women, but to get women to like listen to why this was so important. Today's woman says, I want to be in charge of my money. I want all the tools. I'm here. I'm going to do this. And once they do it, they never turn it back over again. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, and now one last thing I'll say is more women are buying homes today than they were 20 years ago. And that's really critical because because people are getting married later. So if you're, a, I always say to, to women, if you're a woman who's not going to get married in your 20s, which many women today are not getting married in their 20s, they're getting married in their 30s. Don't put off buying a home hmm. because men don't put off buying estate. Men men don't say, well, someday I'm going to get married and then I'll buy a home. Yeah. Men will go out and start investing. Period. So my big mantra 20 years ago is, ladies, don't put off buying a home. Go buy a home. 
And then when you get married, turn that into a rental property and then go buy and don't put your husband's name on it. Keep that separate. That's a separate asset. And then you go get married and buy a home together. So, you know, I'm a big crusader and advocate for women. Go make your money and then keep that money. And then when you get married, keep that money that you made before, keep that money separate so that if the day comes that you do go through divorce, you've got your own assets. Um, And I teach women who make more money than men why they should have prenuptial agreements. So any way you go and slice it, I just keep, I'm constantly out there trying to be a crusader for women to like put their best foot forward um, from pure financial confidence and strength. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Rather than playing the, well, everything goes well. I won't ever have to worry about my finances. That strategy of hope is not really a strategy. Now, you suggest in the book that most people, and this is really male or female, it's gender neutral, if you will, but that most people should work with a financial advisor and that you have an entire section in the book called the 10 Golden Rules to Hiring a Financial Advisor. So can you talk about why you think it's so important to get help and what type of advisor you personally would recommend? Yeah, you bet. Well, what happened when I started writing these books is, ironically, I'm a financial, I was a financial advisor, right? And today I'm a co-founder of a registered investment advisory firm, A Wealth Management, where we have hundreds of financial advisors. I don't personally work with clients anymore. But the question I was always asked all the time is, well, where do I find a good financial advisor and do I need one? So you said something which is actually not what I say. I don't, I don't tell everybody they need a financial advisor. Um, today with technology, and I I go through all the different firms that you know where you can do it yourself today. When you're getting started, you may you, you, realistically you're not going to hire a financial advisor, right? Like when you're just getting started, you're going to go use you need to go use your 401k plan. You need to set up a systematic investment plan online. Um, you're going to probably do a bunch of things yourself with education. Once you get to have a hundred thousand dollars or more, then it's time to start meeting with a financial advisor. And so I go through all the different types of financial advisors there are. And, and before I go into that, let me just say, when it's really critical to hire a financial advisor is when you get in your 50s. When you're 55 years old and you're five years away from retirement or six or seven years away from retirement, man, that's the time to get serious. That's the time to be sitting down with a financial advisor, having a financial advisor do a financial plan. That is a black and white document where they've taken all of your, you know, show me what you spend, show me what you earn. Show me what your investments are right now. Let's run an analysis. It's like do an x-ray on your money. And let's look at what is it going to take for you to be able to afford to retire? Let's let's look at inflation. Like it's going to cost more as you're older. And will you have enough money based on inflation? Let's look at social security. Let's look at your 401k plan and your pension plan. All this stuff. It's a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Let's put it all together. And then let's put it in black and white for you. So you know if you're on track to hit your goals. And so that's when it's real. When you're there, that's when it's really time to be doing sitting down with financial planner. Most of our clients are coming to us in their late fifties and early sixties. Um, a lot of people come meet with financial planner right when they're about to retire. I think if you can do it five to ten years before you're about to retire, you can be in much better shape and retire early. But the key is to find the right financial planner, right? And that's that's not a no brainer, right? Like. There are a lot of financial advisors, and the key is to find a really good one. So what I did in Smart Women Finish Rich was, again, to be the advocate for you, I've got these 10 golden rules that I go through. And I, I really wrote these rules in a way that like, I would give them to my best friend. right? Like, And I literally just sat down with a friend and went through these rules with them the other day. I'm like, look, I wrote these rules out. I'm telling you, just before you go, they, they were interviewing somebody. 
absolutely one of the big brokerage firms. And I said, you just go through these rules. And so she's like, well, the first rule is you, you need to look up the advisor online and see if there's been any complaints hmm. about the advisor. And she's like, well, if the advisor works at this big firm, why would I even need to go look that up? And I'm like, because there are lots of financial advisors that work at firms that still have complaints against them. Sure. And you want to know if there's been any complaints. Like, do they have any regulatory issues? Are there any criminal indictments, that, you know, any criminal injunctions against them? The point is like, you start with making sure there's no complaints. You look for a financial advisor who's been in the business a long time, who specializes in working with clients like you. You look for a what I call registered investment advisor. You're looking for a fiduciary, somebody who has to put by law yeah. your interests first. They can't be selling you commission-based products or have a conflict of interest. They have to disclose everything. Um, they do true financial planning. That's what I call holistic-based. They do values-based financial planning. They don't just talk about the money. They talk about who you are as a person, what your dreams are, what are your fears, what are your hopes. They build your financial plan around that. And so again, in Smart Women Finishers, I've got these 10 golden rules and it's just a great plan. And I go through every type of financial advisor, commission-based advisors, hybrid-based advisors who are commission and fees, fiduciary financial advisors, fee-only financial advisors. I really lay it all out for you so that you really, you know, you can look at, well, what kind of advisor do you think you want? And then show you how to go find that type of advisor. Got it. Now, and can you spell fiduciary? <laughs> I'm familiar with what it is, but if I so if I do, let's see, can I spell on top? So it's F I D I C I U A R Y. I'm doing that from the top of my head without writing it out. All right. So there's been so much attention placed on this because um, this is probably what most people don't pay attention to. But the Department of Labor, all through from Obama then to Trump, was discussing this issue of of, of being a fiduciary and the need for advisors to not have a conflict of interest. And I've talked about the need to work with a fee-based advisor for, for 20 years, right? Like, I, I think it's really simple. I tell, I train all of our financial advisors, do what's right by the client, always, no matter what, period. Yeah. Right. And when I talk to clients, I'm like, don't you want to work with somebody that will always put your interest first, that will disclose any conflict of interest, that will have total transparency where you know what you're paying when you, when you work with them? And everybody says, yeah, of course I do. So um, when you work with what's called a registered investment advisor, they're what's known as a fiduciary and actually had to pass a certain test. And then they're regulated in a way that they can't have a conflict of interest. They can't be selling you commission-based products and yeah. not disclose that. Um, they need to be putting your interest first by law. Uh, that's great. You know, one of the things that's always on my mind, I think it's kind of a monkey on my back, if you will, or just the concern that's always there, and, and it's timing the market. You know, so it's anticipating the next financial or the next real estate crash. And what do you suggest to not just women, but maybe men too, I would say, listening who are approaching retirement and they're worried about timing the markets correcting? Okay, great question. And so on page, I'm really, I'm holding my book right now because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I have a brand new chart in this. On page 281, of my book, I go through, I literally it's titled, uh, the, the 10 biggest mistakes investors make. And one of them is trying to time the market. Mm. And I have a chart that just shows you the last 20 years from 1997 through December of 2017. So many good years and also a lot of really difficult years in the market, right? So this chart shows, had you been invested in the market, you put $100,000 into the S&P 500. And you just left it alone, reinvested the dividends. 
that 20 year period of time, you would have had a return of over 7%, hmm. right around 7%, it's 7.19%. The $100,000 would have grown to 400,000. Oh, wow. Now, if you tried to time the market and you missed some of the best days, because the markets move in a very small amount of days, mm-hmm. if you miss just 10 of the best days, your return would have been, instead of 7.19%, it would have been 3.53%, 3.5%. So your return would have dropped in half. $100,000 would have grown to $200,000. What if you missed the, the 50 best days? Well, if you missed the 50 best days, your return, your $100,000 would have not grown. It would have gone down to $39,649. So the person that in 1997 put in $100,000 into market, S&P 500, left it alone 20 years later with all, you know, with the dot-com bust of 2001, 2000, 2001, with the, the recession of 2008, 2009, if they just left it alone, today they'd have four times more money, they'd be over $400,000. If they, if they timed the market and they did it wrong, they could have lost money. Yeah. And, so that's like a really important like example of like don't time the market. What's hard is that people are super brave when the markets go up and as soon as the markets go down they become fearful really quickly. And so I have another chart where I, on two page 283 of this book where I go through every single market decline going back to 1965. And I show and this is a really like I, I geek out on this stuff but hmm. Um, when you look at the different market drops, because we typically have a market correction every roughly year and a half. Like it's, we've had a very, very robust market. We've had a market go up now. This, this is the longest bull market in history. Um, with not a lot of corrections, but usually we have a correction of down more than 10% about every 19 months. And when you look at those corrections, the average market recovers in less than 90 days. So, Really, I, I, really important to know is because we will have another correction. Mm-hmm. When we have another correction, if you could just like turn off the news for ninety days, yeah. like like stop, don't watch CNBC, don't don't watch me on CNBC. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun because I'm always in the media and then I'm telling people don't watch me. But I you know I'm always the guy in the media when the market corrects, telling people to be calm because it'll come back. Um, if you cannot pay attention to the news and the fear during a market correction and just leave things alone, you will come out on top. Um, even the last market correction that we had, it only lasted 19 months. So only, it felt like forever, but yeah. you know, it's not forever. These markets recover. So don't try to time the market. If you're worried right now because you, because the markets are up so much, um, the good news is you're way ahead. Like if you've been investing for the last 10, 15, 20 years, even five years, you're up so much that if you want to take a little profit off the top and and reduce your risk, it's a great time to do it. Yeah, it's a great point. Don't don't sell everything, but just take a little like like we say to our retired. We have so many again, our clients are all retired for the most part. I'm like, guys, instead of being fearful, you're most of you are way ahead of plan. Like if you're up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 percent more than you were supposed to be, then take some of the profit, put it in the cash, go enjoy it. Yeah. Stop worrying, right? Like part of Part of winning is celebrating. Yeah. So if you're ahead of plan and you're up, like take some of the profit and enjoy it. That's a great way to reduce your risk. And it's also, by the way, super important to reduce risk because we do have people who have not reduced risk. And with the markets having gone up over 400% since 2009. So with reinvested dividends, the market's up 400% since 2009. Um, 
if you haven't reduced your risk, then your account's probably too risky right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to ask you one more question, and it's something you talked about in the book that I find interesting. And you talk about ROR, mm-hmm. which is you call return on retirement. Can you just briefly share a little bit about what that means? Yeah, definitely. So again, I, I can geek out on the money part of, of financial <laughs> planning, and I do sometimes. I apologize for that. But um, a lot of financial buyers, are, a lot of the financial service industry is constantly talking about rates of return, which is what I just did, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so like you open up the newspaper and the ads are all about how much a money market account is paying. And it's like the savings account is paying 2%. The CD is paying 3%. The annuity is paying 3.5%. If you're in the market, you're going to earn 7%. Like I just, in a way, I just kind of did this, right? And so what I actually talk to clients about is I'm like, stop fixating on return on investment. Everybody's talking to you about ROI and your rate of return. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to you instead about your return on retirement. You just worked, you know, and this is when I'm in rooms of live audience. I'm like, most of you have worked three decades or more to be in this room. How many of you have worked three decades or more and all the hands go up? How many of you have worked 35 years or more? Most of the hands go up. How many of you have worked four decades? Hands are, you know, the hands are going up. And I go, great. So now you're here. You're here now for retirement. So let's take you, let's take the average person who's retiring. Most people retire before 65. You retire before between 65. You retired, let's use 65 as an example. Okay. You retired 65. Now I, I, I run your numbers and I go, well, you've got a good chance of living to be 95. And I show you 30 years. What I, what I teach people is this. There are three stages to retirement. The first stage is 65. It's called 65 to 75. Those are the go-go years. Okay. These, this is your honeymoon decade. You are healthy. You have money. You have friends. You have grandchildren probably that want to spend time with you. You have energy. This is the time to get the most return on your retirement because you can do the most amount of stuff. And you, from 75 to 85, it's the slower go years. That's the second stage. You're not going to be moving around and doing as much stuff. Now, I know it's not all people, but it's a lot of people who are between 75 and 85. They're not traveling and doing as much as they could have done or were doing in their 60s. Yeah. And from 85 to 95, it's a totally different life cycle of health. It just is. You may live to be 95, but my grandmother was not running around the world at 95. She basically stopped mm-hmm. traveling by 85. Yeah. So I just really try to help our clients and people listening. And, and, and as I go out and speak, don't fixate on the return on investment. Fixate on the return on your retirement. Look at these years when you are retiring as the best years of your life and sit down with a financial planner to figure out how do you do the most amount of things in your first decade? So you get all these things you want. By the way, don't call it a bucket list because that infers that you're, you know, you're checking off and you're dying. Call it a trophy list. Like mm-hmm. what are the things you got to do that you, this is my trophies. Like I want to go do this and I want to go do this and I want to go do this. And by the way, I'm talking about return on retirement, but there are a lot of people who now want to retire earlier than 65. And so this goes back to my whole live rich philosophy, which is like, man, the money that you're working for, the money that you're saving, the money that you're earning, it is here to help you have your best life. Don't put off doing what you want to do too late to not be able to do it. Yeah. And that's where the whole thing with money and financial planning comes in. So I just want to make sure that people are not, they, they, I see so many people that are reach retirement and they're afraid to spend any of their money and they don't they don't spend their money they're just hoarding it you know they just they're so afraid like a lot of retirees because they've been told they're going to live forever and everything's gonna be more expensive and then by the time they get ready to want to spend their money that they don't have the energy to want to go anywhere yeah yeah. so 
I just went on a, a safari with my mom to Africa. It was a trip of a lifetime and it was on her dream list. And she's 76 and we had the best time. And she's like, I'm so glad I'm doing this now. I don't think I'll be do- able to do this in five years. And my father didn't feel well enough to go and do it. He's mm. 78. Mm. So, you know, I'm already seeing that with my dad. And he's like, I don't, I don't, that's too much for me. I don't, I can't, I can't go to Africa. Um, so, you know, if, if you've got parents that are retired, man, and inspire them, if they haven't got a plan done, go meet with a financial planner, run the numbers, help your parents have the time in their life. And I also, parents listening, like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? You worked hard for your money. You're, you don't have to leave a huge inheritance for the kids. Don't let them listen to this podcast. You go out and enjoy the money, right? Let yeah. your kids go work and make their own money. Uh, and parents always laugh about that. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I just, I'm here to, you know, kind of like wake people up to don't go through, don't go through any part of your life, you know, in a daze. Like, yeah. wait, you know, like you're the miracle morning guy, right? Like, wake up, like go live <laughs> your best life. That's right now wake up to your full potential that's what i say so david this has been super helpful you know and i honestly for me i want to thank you for all the great work that you've done i've read many of your books and the first one i read was probably 10 years ago my wife and i have one year books on the nightstand right now smart couples finish rich so that's literally on our nightstand right now it was so funny before you and i connected to do the interview i was like oh that's sweetie you know the the guy the, the book we're reading I said, yeah, I'm interviewing you. So, Oh, wow. That's really cool. Well, I hope you got the new edition. If not, we got to make sure we get you the new edition. I think it's new. I just got a few months oh, yeah. ago. So, But yeah, man. So thanks for the great work that you do to be a crusader for women and money and just financial education in general. And uh, I guess last but not least, where can people learn more about you and the new book, Smart Women Finish Rich and all your other books? Oh, you're awesome. Wow, this is a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. I know I talked a ton, uh, but I really just appreciate you. Appreciate you being here. People come to my website, uh, davidbach.com, B-A-C-H.com. They can go to finishrich.com. It'll take you to the same place. Okay. And um, on that website, there is a download of a free, you can download the free chapter of Smart Women Finish Rich and nice. a bunch of the worksheets and you can order the book right there and sign up for our newsletter. And that way we can be in touch with you when we do future cool stuff. Awesome, man. Well, when it comes to financial education, you've been one of the leaders in that space for, well, for 20 years, <laughs> right? Thank you. So awesome. Appreciate it, man. Well, hey, Goal Achievers, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got as much value out of the conversation I had with David today, as much value as I did. And remember, you've been listening to David Bach, co-founder of AE Wealth Management and author of many books, the newest, which is the updated edition for Smart Women Finish Rich. You can go grab that today. Check out davidbach.com or finishrich.com. And uh, I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, look forward to uh, connecting with you next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.